Before we uh, begin the sermon today, I wanted to um, update you in case you're like me and sometimes you don't check your email all that often. Uh, you should have gotten an email this week that said that our administrative board had voted on Monday to begin a discernment process. And I just wanted to say a couple things about that. Uh, first, it, the administrative board voted, um, where are my notes, 105 to 13 uh, to begin this as a congregational process to seek God's guidance to determine uh, if Bethany should remain in the United Methodist Church or seek affiliation with a different denomination. I want to make a few things clear. Well, first of all, there's a, there's a website right there. We have a resource uh, page on our website that um, if you want to go watch the, the video of the presentation the administrative board saw, uh, we videoed that. We have it on our website. Um, watching that will help you understand where this is coming from and why this is something that we think is a good idea for us to do as a church right now. So it, it's a, a little bit of a long video, but I think watching that would help you out. If you have any questions about why and what does this mean, I would encourage you to go watch that video. We'll continue to post uh, updates on that page. And if you're just going to the homepage of the website, you can click on the resource button on the top right, and it'll have a drop down. Look for UMC resources, and that's where you'll find it. Um, I want to make sure that you know this is not a decision to leave our denomination. This is a decision to enter into a time of intentional discernment so that as a whole church, we can discuss and pray into this together. Um, the lead team and the administrative board do not enter into this lightly. We know that this is a big deal and uh, some ang anxious conversations will likely come out of this. But we believe it's important that we do this so that we can discern where God is guiding us as a church. Um, for this reason, we're going to begin this discernment process with 40 days of prayer. Uh, there is, on this resource page, there is a 40-day prayer calendar, and we're going to start that tomorrow, so you haven't missed anything. Um, we would love for everybody to join us in that. There's a short scripture, um, like very short, not quite nearly as long as the Intentional Faith 100-Day Challenge, like a, a short, short passage in a prayer. And the hope is that we would spend these next 40 days before we start talking a whole bunch and throwing around ideas and trying to diagnose different issues and, and, and that, that we would spend it intensely focused on connecting with God and centering ourselves on God so that we can hear God's voice clearly. And so we believe that's the best way for us to start any kind of discernment process is just to spend time focusing on God. Um, the final thing I want to say um, is that there, there's not an intent here to change Bethany. Uh, we want to figure out where Bethany best fits in the future, uh, but we are not trying to actively change the ministry and mission that is happening here that is so good. We know God is doing great things here, and we will continue as a church to lead people to experience God's love, know Jesus Christ, and grow in his image. Um, come, come ask us if you have any questions. Uh, we, would love, we want to be in conversation, um, and, uh, but watch that video first. Uh, that, that, will, that will help. We're doing a second Sunday on Christ the King. So Jesus is still king this Sunday. Jesus was king last Sunday. And every Sunday and, and every day, actually, Jesus is king. Um, we're going to read today from Psalm 46. Now, I'm going to read that psalm to you right now uh, before we talk about it. Uh, so uh, hear God's word for God's people. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, 
Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's pray. Lord, we hear your word and we want to cling to it. We're asking God, would you give us understanding and wisdom? Would you speak to us a word from your word that is important to our lives right now? And show us, Lord, how we can continue as individuals and as a church to let you be in the king's seat. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, 10 years ago, Tracy and I got married, and we were very blessed. We got to do a honeymoon in Hawaii. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And you might think that looked like uh, laying on a beach, uh, drinking some tropical drinks. And we actually, our big regret in our honeymoon is I don't think we laid on a beach except for like once in the week that we were there. Because we were too busy trying to have adventures. Tracy and I love having adventures. uh, And so Hawaii is a really amazing place. There's a lot of opportunities to have adventures. We went to the island of Kauai which is the oldest island, which means the the volcano mountain has had the the most time to erode and turn into these really cool, steep, rugged, jungly mountains. It's also the furthest north in the Hawaiian island chain, and so it gets the most rain, hence the the jungly mountains. Um, And there's just a lot of good adventures, hiking and all sorts of stuff. We decided we wanted to do a kayak trip, and we were looking at different options, and there was this one that was kayaking around the Nepali coast. And what I found out later is they refer to that as the Everest of open water kayak trips. (laughs) It was 18 miles in the open ocean uh, going around this coastline. The Nepali coast is so rugged with these jungly temple looking mountains that plunge into the water. It's, It's the most beautiful place I've seen on earth. And it's so rugged, the road that goes and circles the island, it stops when the mountains start and then it picks up 18 miles later on the other side. And if you want to get from one side to the other, you have to drive all the way around. Or you can kayak it. So we signed up to do a guided trip, and we were a little nervous because Tracy gets motion sick, and it was, it's like 8 to 10 hours on the water. Um, and and we, were, we, we got out there, and we, we started going, and, and it ended up being one of the calmest days that they've ever seen is what the guides told us. You know, I'm, I don't know how many other tourists they tell that to, but it was one of the calmest days that they had seen. 
we, we made it. I mean, it was, it was kind of hard. It was a challenge. I was very sore the next day. I tell, that, I tell Tracy it's because I paddled her around the island. Um, but it, we made it, and it was really good, and it was really fun. It was a beautiful, awesome experience. It was an adventure. So we had to go back to Hawaii uh, this past summer, in September, actually, to celebrate 10 years of marriage. I figure if we can get there every 10 years, maybe that'll be, that would be really good for my soul, like spiritually, I think, right? Um, so we went and celebrated 10 years of marriage, and we decided, let's do that kayak trip again. <laughs> so, so we signed up for it, um, and we, we get out there, and as soon as we launch um, and get past the waves and get out into, you know, past the breakers, we realize that this is going to be a very different trip because the waves were a lot bigger, the wind was a lot stronger, and we had to focus every minute of our time on trying not to tip over. <laughs> so eight to 10 hours and 18 miles of that it was a lot harder than when it was calm. And I want to I show you, actually, I have a video of, I had a, a, a bag, like a waterproof thing over my cell phone. I got to take some video of this. Here's some video. You'll only see Tracy uh, in the video, but I promise I was there, and I did it too. But here, here's what it looked like, and you'll notice the waves. All right, it's crazy out here. Tracy is getting me around the Nepali coast. Oh my gosh. All right, we're gonna. Oh my gosh. Woo. The waves are big. You can see our group. So the waves were big. They were, they were five or six feet and they just kept coming. And if we got turned sideways just a little bit, one of them would threaten to turn us over. Uh, and it just took every ounce of energy we had to stay upright. Um, and you could see the mountains. I hope you saw. It's beautiful mountains. Beautiful, the most, the most beautiful place I've been on earth. But it was hard. It was a lot harder than when it was calm. So this is the throne. Stella talked to us last week about Christ being the king. The only one that really fits in the throne. We try to sit in the throne all the time, and a part of the challenge of being a Christian, of giving our lives to Christ, is to say, all right, Jesus, I'm going to let you sit in the throne. I'm going to let you be the king of my life. You can be the one who rules and gives me guidance and is my authority in everything. To do that, we got to get out of the throne. And, and what we want to talk about this week is that it's one thing to do that and make a decision to do that when, when things are easy. And it's a completely different thing to keep doing that for the long run, especially when life gets tough, when you experience the chaos, when the waves come so hard that you don't know if you're going to stay upright. And I think when that happens, we have a tendency to try to climb back into this chair because, oh gosh, I need to be in control, or to turn to a different king in some way. So, so to begin with, I want to ask you, what are the waves that threaten to move your life off course right now? What are the waves that really make it hard for you to trust Jesus as your king? And I can't answer this for you. This is the unscripted participatory part of the sermon. You actually have to let God speak to you about that. It's going to be different for each of us. So the psalm that we're going to look at 
it has some amazing stuff to help us in this journey. And the thing about psalms, uh, they are poetry. So it's a little different to read a psalm and to understand it. You actually have to, have to try. It takes some, uh, you know, some of the same skills, uh, much to my dismay, that you learned in like an English literature class. You have, to, you have to use some of those to understand the imagery and to see what is God saying to us through this psalm. This psalm, uh, Psalm 46, it's a psalm of confidence. And so I want to look at that and point out a few things that I think are going to help us keep Jesus in the chair, especially when the waves are coming strong. So it begins with this, this statement of confidence that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. It's like the mission statement of this psalm. This is the focal point. Um, But that's not true because things are easy. That's true despite the fact that in the next couple lines, it's going to talk about how all of the chaos of the world sometimes feels like it's threatening to overtake us. In ancient times, the sea was chaotic. Um, When I'm on a kayak in the ocean, the sea feels chaotic too. It's kind of what made me think about that. Because it feels like the sea, this great, deep, unknown thing, is going to overtake all the things that we know and care about. So in the ancient times, the chaos of the world was described in terms of the sea or a flood uh, just covering everything. It was like a decreation event. And so in this psalm, the people of God are acknowledging the chaos around them. They're not ignoring it. And they're starting to say together what is true. Now, here's what I think. I don't think they're, they're saying that first line is true because they actually believe it yet. I think this is one of those psalms that they said it so they would believe it, right? Sometimes we have to do that. The, the, one of the things that stands out to me, too, this is not a, an individual psalm or an individual prayer. It's using the first person plural. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear This is something the community of faith said together to help each other trust God as their king. So despite the chaos, they're trying to set a course. We want God to be our king. Let's see how they continue to do that. In this next part, it looks very different than the chaos that was just described in the last couple verses. The the sea that threatened to, to come up and overtake uh, that was roaring and threatened to overtake all of earth, turns into a river who ha- that has peaceful streams. The mountains, in verse 3, that we just saw, were, were getting ready to fall into the ocean. And here we have a city of, the city of God, she will not fall. There's some big contrast here. And I think what's happening is the people of God are painting a picture of what it looks like For it to be true when God is their refuge, when God is their strength, when God is their king. The picture they know of is they point to the city of God, Jerusalem. And they say when God is king, here's what it looks like. It looks like a peaceful city that is safe and secure. The nations are still in uproar. The kingdoms are still falling. But when God is ruling, when God is in the chair... We have peace and safety and security. They're painting a picture of where, where God is leading them. Now, I think there's potential for misunderstanding in this verse. It would be easy for one of the people in the community to read this or sing this with everyone and assume that what we're talking about is that Jerusalem is our source of safety. 
right? It's talking about the city of God and the temple, right? The holy place where the Most High dwells. That's a reference to the temple. It would be easy to have a misplaced confidence in Jerusalem to think if we just have our city, have it our way, we'll be safe from the chaos of the world. And I talked a few weeks ago about how we sometimes get in that mindset today that if we can just build our Christian bubble over here, we can build it safe enough as a society or a country that the world won't affect us. And in some ways, that's a false sense of security, right? The false sense of security is because God is the source of safety and security, not a human-made city, not a temple built with human hands. The fact that God is with them. See there it says, God is within her. And that leads to this refrain, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God is the only source of safety and security. God being king is the key, not having a a city or a human thing that we like it our way, that'll protect us. Now, as, as we enter a discernment process, I think there's something important to consider here. This is something, as I was praying on this scripture this week, I feel like God gave me a word to share um, and how this applies to us as a church. It would be really easy for us to have misplaced confidence in a human institution and to think that if we just end up at this discernment process on one way or the other, that that's going to be the key to us having safety and security and peace. But I don't think that's really where the source of safety and security is. The source of safety and security and peace is only found in God, not in one denomination or the other. And we need to go through and discern as a church. But if we're starting with the assumption that there's one answer that is the safe and secure and peaceful answer, we're probably not opening ourselves up to hear what God is saying to us. So I think that's some direct application just for Bethany this morning to look for God to be our peace, our security, our safety, not something else. We don't want to have a false source of confidence. As the psalm keeps going, uh, it gives us a way to respond to what is true, right? So they've said what is true, they've visualized what is true, and now this third part of the psalm, we get to respond, respond to what is true. And they must have done the Chosen series uh, with us last year because it starts with come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. So the first way that we respond is we, we look at God's actions in the world in our own lives, in our church. We remember what God has done. And that gives us confidence because we know that if God has moved in the past, God will move again. Now there's, there's some words here uh, that you might be uncomfortable with because it makes it seem like God is a very violent God. I don't know if anyone else read that, the desolations he has brought. Uh, He talks about breaking the bow and shattering the spear. What what that's a reference to, in the time it was written, that was a reference to God being the only one that could stop the wars. And so it's it's not trying to say God is a violent God. We shouldn't ignore it, though. It's saying that God is the one who has made peace for the people of God. And they were remembering times when God did that for them. So I wonder for us, what are the stories that we have about ways that God has worked? You know, I love when I'm in a small group or in a grow group and uh, I get to hear people talking about how they saw God that week, right? 
how God was present and active in their life. That encourages me. It reminds me what's true about God. It gives me confidence that, all right, God wants to keep going. He wants to keep working in my life too. And I wonder if for us, part of how we can continue to remember Jesus is our king, can we remember those stories, the ways that God has been at work in our lives? And will we share those stories Can we remember the stories about how God has been at work in this church, in this community, time and time and time again, we've seen God come and do something with with us as a people. If we're willing to share that with others, we can help them remember that God is their source of refuge and strength. And so it's when the people of God remember what God has done, they remember that in the past God has rescued them, God has been a good king, and he will continue to be a good king. It's in the midst of that that we find this amazing verse, probably the most popular verse uh, in this psalm, maybe even in all the psalms. And this is really interesting. There's a voice change here. The people have been talking together up until now. And in verse 10, God talks back. And here's what God says. He says, be still and know that I am God. He tells them to be still. Because if they're trusting that God is their king, God's the one that rules over the chaos, that can take care of the the chaos that threatens them, then they don't have to put themselves in the chair, right? Because God's going to be in the chair. And they've remembered, look, God has done this before. We can trust God to be our king. Let's be still. And know that God is God. Know that God is king. I think in some ways this is also a call to prayer. To be still and to know that God is God. That's a call to be in prayer with God. And it occurred to me as I'm thinking about this chair, this great visual that Stella brought to us last week. You know a sure way to get out of the chair is to get on your knees. Right? You can't sit in a chair when you're on your knees in prayer. And that rhymes, so it must be true. Um, (laughs) But I think there's something in this passage, um, in this command to be still and know that I'm God, to call us to prayer so that God can be in his right place and we get to be in ours. We get to be trusting and still before God. And then we have this this future-oriented stuff. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What that's talking about is to look forward to the time when God will be king of all creation again. We know that God is king of our lives. Jesus is our king. We experience a peace that transcends understanding in all that. But the world is still chaotic, right? More chaotic than I would like. Anyone else feel that way sometimes? One of the things that keeps us turning back to God, claiming Jesus as our king, is to remember that God is not done, but the best is yet to come. God actually gives this uh, hope to his people when they're in exile. In Jeremiah, he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So in exile, the people of God were told to put their hope in a future coming king. Right? And we know that that king is Jesus. That's our king. That's the one who belongs in the chair who is going to come from David, a righteous branch. He's from the line of David. That's what that means. 
and he's going to reign wisely. He's going to rule in a way that the peace and stability and security that creation was supposed to have will actually happen. And I don't know if you know this or not, that's actually kind of the, the focal point of Advent. It's one of the focal points. In Advent, as we're getting ready to go into in this next week, we look back at the story of Jesus coming, but we also look forward to Jesus coming again to finish the work. Because when Jesus comes again, that's going to be the solution to all the chaos that gets on our nerves, all the things that threaten to upend us, all the things that uh, drive us crazy, break our hearts. Jesus is going to finally rule over everything and finish his work. So if you look at, if you look at the, the end of the psalm, there's really a threefold set of practices for how we can keep God as our king. We look, back, look at the past, we remember what God has done, right? And I, I think the more we share what God has done with each other, we encourage one another to look at God, to trust God. Look at, he came through for us here. He's going to do it again. We sit before Jesus in the present. Remember, we get on our knees in prayer that lets Jesus be the one on the throne. And we, we sit with God and we trust God. Sitting, sitting there is not an act of laziness, it's an act of trust. And then we look forward to Jesus' future action. We look forward to the time when the king is going to come and make everything right. So friends, we're headed into Advent. And as we head into Advent, these are practices that apply. These are practices that allow us to remember the story, to sit before God, to look forward to the future coming of our king. And this is basically what we're going to be doing through Advent. We've got a great sermon series uh, all, all written up now. It's uh, the greatest Christmas stories you've never heard. And we're going to look at some of the stories of the line of David, Jesus' history that leads up to uh, Jesus coming. But we're also going to be looking forward to Jesus coming again, because that's what we do in this season of Advent. Friends, this is also practices for us as we as a church go through a discernment process so we can stay centered on God and God's guidance for us. And we can remember as a church how God has been at work. We can sit before Jesus as an act of trust, not trying to take control and vie for our way, but to really seek God's way. And then we can look forward to the future action of God because God will continue to work. God will continue to be present God will continue to be our refuge and strength. So I was hoping that we could do, uh, do a, something all together to say the last word of this psalm. Um, as we finish up here, there's this great ending. Um, you also saw this in verse 7. But it's a statement of trusting God, of knowing that God is the one that rules. And I would love to invite you right now to stand and to say this with me. This is one of those things where we might be saying it not because we're sure we believe it, but because we want to believe it and saying it together. We're able to uh, encourage one another. We're able to, able to orient ourselves towards God uh, so that Jesus can continue to be the only one that sits in this chair. Will you, will you join me in saying this? The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us pray. God, you are so good to us. Time and time and time again, you have come through. In our lives, you have shown yourself to be a good, good king. 
your rule has a peace that we crave. And so come and let this be true in our lives, that we could keep you in the chair, that we could continue to put our lives before you, to sit before you as an act of trust, and to look forward to the future work that you promise. And God, come and be with our church as we seek you, as we want to surrender ourselves to you more than anything else. Uh, Give us a sense of trust together as a community, Lord, and continue to be at work here in all the ways that you are working out good things. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.